Hello and welcome to the Protect Your Peace podcast. I'm your host, Najee Robbins, and today I have the pleasure of sharing my conversation with friend and fellow yoga teacher, Matthew Lyons. We are talking about rest, of course, and the practice of yoga nidra. As always, please make sure you've got some hydration nearby, maybe a snack, perhaps a cozy blanket if your body's requesting a bit more comfort and warmth, and let's get started. Hi, friends. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm really excited to share today's conversation with you about Yoga Nidra. Currently, I am in a place with this practice where I'm still very much digesting. I just finished up a six month training and I have no elevator pitch for this. There are many ways to explain and language this practice. And so in my opinion, my answer is still very long when folks ask me about it. And though it's a practice that I've explored at various points throughout the years, this is the first point at which I really had the space to immerse myself more. And because I'm still digesting, I still go on this very winding tale of an answer, I think, when folks ask me about Yoga Nidra, because though on the outside, this practice is pretty simple, there can be so much to the the interiority of the experience, to what's going on beneath the surface. And I've talked about this a lot when it comes to rest, that, that language doesn't always do it justice. You know, rest practices are an experience and a very internal experience at that. And and when I'm talking about rest, I'm often referring to the liminal space between sleep and wakefulness, that space in between that a lot of us don't linger or spend much time in. We are often either doing or we're sleeping and there is little attention offered to the transitions and the spaces in between. And yoga nidra is one of the practices that can guide or support one's transition to that restful space in between. Like I said, this this is a practice that's kind of been tapping me on the shoulder for years, um, but that I haven't been in close relationship with until last year, really. And if you've learned anything about me thus far, you know I love a deep dive when I have the space to do so and when I connect with teachers who I resonate with. And I really think that resonance was sparked for me last year when Tracy Stanley released her book, Radiant Rest, which I've mentioned on the podcast before. I've quoted on the podcast before. It's one of my favorites. Highly recommend it. And upon the release of the book, she offered an online book club. And that was where I first connected with today's guest, Matthew Lyons. Matthew is a yoga teacher and meditation guide based in Washington, D.C., originally from Michigan, which further proves my hunch that no matter where we are in the world, Midwesterners always have a way of finding each other. In his words, he is someone who is recovering from the idea that everything in his life is led by the expectations of others. He said, I found a much more clear path and a heart-led life when I stopped climbing the rungs on someone else's ladder. 
which sparked a connection for him to the first blog post that he shared on his website. Here's what he had to say about it. There's a there's a piece on my blog called I Demoted Myself, and I, I wrote about that. And I, I, I realized that everyone's like, oh, you know, Naj, you're so great. You're, if you're, your trajectory is going to be like this. If you just do this, you're like, yeah, that's your ladder. I appreciate mm-hmm. that you see that in me, but that's your ladder. Um, and you're projecting your ambition onto me. And I don't appreciate you suggesting that I don't have ambition because I don't want to climb that ladder. Right? Uh, not my ladder. Right. Well, they say not my monkey, not my circus. I mean, mm-hmm. not my ladder. It's not my ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it goes back to that point of me saying earlier, where I'm learning to stop apologizing for the choice and pace of my life. I'm much more at ease and peace in my life um, and searching for even greater peace and connection within my body. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's an ongoing, <laughs> that's an ongoing thing. Uh, but I think that I wouldn't even have the path to, to pursue that piece if I hadn't made the choices I would I did to step away from uh, living everyone else's expectations of me. I'll share a link to that blog post in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. It's a great read. And overall, a really important reminder about honoring the seasons in which the pace of life needs to change. And honoring those transitions requires care and spaces where you can slow down and really tune in with what it is you need. And I think this is this is something I really appreciate about Matthew's classes is the care and the gentleness with which he guides them. And I think it's really important to take note of because attending a class or listening to a recording that is supporting you in rest and slowing down can spark a variety of feelings, you know, especially if you are just familiarizing yourself with a practice, maybe it's newer to you or it's newer to you to start offering yourself time to intentionally rest in general. I think any time someone is guiding you in some way, shape, or form, it can feel vulnerable. And maybe we don't know what to expect in the experience. And so having someone guide with a sense of thoughtfulness, care, and preparation is really important and can be really impactful. I remember the first time that I took Matthew's class. It was just after my grandfather died last year. And I was not only in this output mode, caring for the people around me, managing the admin that goes along with someone dying and all of those processes just after, I was also maneuvering through grief and having a really kind of tough time finding spaces where I could sort of turn off that output mode and slow down and tend to my fatigue and what I was experiencing. And I remember that class and feeling kind of so struck by the the thoughtfulness and the care with which he chose his words and put the class together. 
And whenever I have the opportunity to attend Matthew's classes, I always feel cared for in my experience. He holds such a supportive and intentional space, which I think is really important in general, but especially with rest practices. And so I hope that you hear that same thoughtfulness and care coming through in the rest of our conversation together. How are you on this Friday, tail end of tail end of the week? I'm doing really well. I mean, it's um, Friday is typically a day. Friday and Saturdays, I typically don't teach on, on those days. So I guess in the parlance, this is my weekend. Uh, so I am, I'm really good. <laughs> you know, I, and not that I, you know, need to be away from all, but it's nice to have a day where you can kind of reset. And, uh, so I'm yeah. really, I'm really good. And, you know, it's, it's a beautiful day and it's, uh, it's, it's a good day. It's good yes. to be here. Where, where are you in the world right now? <laughs> so I live in Washington, DC and I've been here for almost 30 years. Um, a native Michigander. So even though I've been here for 30 years, uh, I still, when someone says, where are you from? I say Michigan, <laughs> but I think I've lived here twice as long as I ever did in, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, but, uh, yeah, I'm based yeah. in Washington, DC, been here for a while. Yeah. And are you, are you feeling rested today? I am. I, uh, you know, honest answers I, only. Honest answers yeah. only. <laughs> no, I knew we were going to talk today, and it's it's interesting because I had a conversation with someone yesterday as well about um, Saturday because I I teach pretty early on Sundays, and he wanted to have dinner, and I said okay, early dinner because I have an early start on Sunday, and I don't want to be tired. In the same way here, I knew I was going to talk to you, and I wanted to be well rested, so I wanted to make sure that I got in bed and turned off the Stranger Things binge, and <laughs> and so I made sure that I. Uh, you know, just getting proper rest and, and hydration. I think about your stories that you often share with the questions about, are you hydrated? Are you rested? You know, what is it that you need? And so I, I followed your mantras to, to make sure that I was prepared for today. That makes me so happy. I, I wonder, because this is something that I think about a lot, not just in regards to myself, but as I've been kind of talking and sharing more about rest is, how do you know when you feel rested? You know, that's, that's an interesting question. And, and forgive me if it goes on kind of a nerdy tech sidebar, but it's, um, you know, with the watches and the trackers and everything like that. And, you know, I admit that I, I've had my share of them and you know, almost obsessively checking it. And um, that very question came up even before I began practice um, in uh, meditation, the yoga nidra, and, and even in, asana practices, which was how do you know that you're well rested? Do you need a tracker or a watch to tell you that? Um, maybe you just notice how you feel uh, and sit with the conversation about, do I feel rested? And if not, what can I do to improve that feeling or to change mm -hmm. that feeling? So <clears throat> for me, it's, uh, do I feel well rested? It starts often with, uh, do I feel like I want to go back to sleep? Uh, are my eyes heavy? You know, or, um, mm -hmm. And I'm an early riser. My kind of my rhythm, my circadian rhythm is uh, it, it almost doesn't matter how late I go to sleep. I tend to wake up at the same time every day. So I have to kind of really honor that to make sure that I don't kind of extend into the evening too far. Um, mm -hmm. Because and, and also kind of in the last maybe five years, kind of um, become much more of a fan of napping. 
<laughs> and Shout so, out to naps. right. So that's the kind of thing too, where and it's kind of like in the practices. I mean, we you know we both guide um, subtle practices. It's the kind of thing where can you simply just notice and maybe let the body lead you, as opposed mm-hmm. to your mind saying, "Well, I've got so much to do," and you know, resting or napping is a waste of time. Um, I've never really felt that. <laughs> that's never been my thing, but. Um, you know, when you're kind of the, the broader kind of societal kind of push. Um, but, you know, the, the honest answer for me in, in terms of just straightforward is how do I know that if I've slept well or if I'm rested is do I feel like I'm in need of more? Um, mm-hmm. And that's it's as simple as that. If I wake up and I'm just I feel exhausted, I'm not connected to the why. I'm I'm much more connected to the feeling and just saying, well, can I embrace that? And um particularly with my schedule where I don't typically teach anything in the morning. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to lay here and see mm-hmm. what happens. But um, a lot of us don't have that space. We don't have that um, ability to kind of just continue to rest in that moment. Um, so is there a commitment to come back to it at some point so that we, we don't believe in this idea of just kind of banking, you know, people say lost sleep on the weekend and mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't really work that way. So. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that that speaks to the importance of conceptualizing rest in any of our needs as a practice and not like a, a one and done sort of situation or I'll check it off when I get to it. Cause our, our body can't like, it can continue to, to go, but it's, um, I think that concept of practice and especially coming off of these episodes, talking about restorative yoga and wanting to talk with you about yoga nidra today. And as you talked about kind of these subtle practices that we, that we teach, um, I want to shift into that. I want to talk about, I want to talk about yoga nidra with you. Um, how, how did you first come to find your way to this practice? Um, kind of probably like a lot of people with either an asana or meditation practice, it was just kind of on a whim, if if you will. I uh-huh. was practicing uh, Bikram yoga uh, years ago. And at that studio, maybe once a month, they had yoga nidra. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a try. And um, fortunately, the room was not hot, <laughs> because that would have been a non-starter for me. But um, it was it's just as simple as that invitation to lie down and listen. And um, I never realized how much I had kind of duck feet under the water. Um, the license plate on my car is, uh, chill, just the letters chill. And, and you know, my friends remind me every now and then that that seems more aspirational because <laughs> I think, I, I think I'm much more uh, laid back than maybe I am. And so uh-huh. I recognize that. So I came, I came into the practice just kind of, you know, as the expression goes on a humble, I just kind of ran into it, uh, at the studio and it resonated with me. And it wasn't even this idea of, of embracing rest or, uh, you know, let me start some new meditation practice. It was, let me try something new. Um, and embracing this idea of, for me, particularly and a, lot, a lot of people, sometimes it's easy to still the body, but to still the mind mm-hmm. is, is the challenge, mm-hmm. right? So in, in that space, it was a combination of things. It was being in a room with, you know, 25 other people, do I feel comfortable just being splayed out on the floor? Um, you know, so could I get comfortable in the space of other people? Um, could I get comfortable in my own body, which I have you know, a lifelong issue of that. Um, but then also could I quiet the need to 
analyze and critique everything that I'm hearing because it was real time, you know, like that's mm -hmm. my mind, you know, this very analytical mind, which was, okay, well, what's this technique and why are we doing this? And do I feel my finger? I don't know. Is, mm -hmm. is it my knuckle? Is it the tip of my thumb? So, um, so it was a really beautiful intro to the practice. And then, you know, this was kind of off and on until I started my 200 hour training. Um, and got, so maybe three years removed of, of con consistent yoga ninja practice until my 200 hour training where um, I was actually doing a presentation on yoga nidra as part of one of our uh, requirements. And I went to a class the night before the presentation, a yoga nidra class. And I saw maybe 16 people walk in all with this kind of frenetic energy and they were just you know, stressed and it's very DC thing. And I was just very stressed out. And I'm the one who's just like, Hey, and, um, <laughs> but then I saw the, the transformation in just an hour of the complete energy of, of the room, the, 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 the mood of the people that were, you know, just, I mean, from when I came in with fists clenched to just peace fingers on the way out. And, mm -hmm. um, and I, at that point said, this is a gift, um, not only to, to, to yourself, but as someone who wanted to, to eventually guide the practice, it was something that is kind of an, an uh, uh, Enneagram type nine, you know, the people, please, I wanted to like deliver this gift to people of rest. And it started with myself. And so that's my intro long winded way to say that into the practice. Listen, um, I am vetoing the word long-winded from this <laughs> podcast uh, <laughs> because it's just a fundamental part of things. Um, we can talk as much as we want here. Uh, Good. Good. And, <laughs> and I think that that, that that kind of background of what draws you in is really, really important. And I also think it's really important um, for teachers, for students, especially both of us being yoga teachers who offer these types of practices, I can't tell you how many times folks have been like, you're so peaceful. You're just so relaxed. Just you're, and, and there are absolutely times where I am, but I think that a lot of times folks don't, don't realize, like you said, you can kind of quiet the body. You can find stillness in the body, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going on behind the surface is not like you said that kind of duck feet in in the water yeah. and so i think especially those of us who teach practices like this it's it's always important to kind of remind and contextualize um like that doesn't necessarily mean that we're beacons of, of endless peace and relaxation all the time nor do I think that that's necessarily kind of the point of of these practices i'm i'm wondering if you can speak to mm -hmm probably better than myself, which is part of why you're here. Um, really point blank question. What, what is yoga nidra? And we can, yeah. we can approach this from like a, like a broad perspective and then maybe also get into the practicality of what, what you might experience in a class. Big question. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's, <laughs> it's a big question because, um, and I, I don't want to use the word loaded, but it, 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 you know, there's a lot of conversation, much like in a lot of other uh, practices within the kind of asana or meditation. Um, there are lineages, there are you know mm -hmm. claims of creation and ownership, and I, I'm not going to you know create the controversial space here, but I mean, I just I uh, maybe much more like Uma Dinsmore Tilly, who's from uh, Thule from the UK. It's kind of post lineage. I kind of lean more to that. So 
to me, the broader view of yoga nidra is, is a withdrawal, right? It's a withdrawal from all the doing, right? Mm -hmm. It's a withdrawal from identifying with all the things that are, you know, kind of moving in a habit of identifying with these things, right? The, the, the ever changing things that happen in our lives, because then really what happens is we're identifying with all that we're not. Right. So we're mm -hmm. kind of connecting with that. So for me, yoga nidra in, you know, just the, the Sanskrit translation is, you know, kind of yogic sleep. But what that means is kind of, you know, moving away from this constant identification with the, with the, you know, the movement of thoughts and emotions. It's, um, moving much more like pratyahara it's kind of a withdrawal from the senses so that mm -hmm. perhaps you could turn inward and usually how i explain it to people is um and it's different in, in kind of forms of meditation like like vipassana or uh, mindfulness or metta or things like that it's it's kind of much more different than maybe what people traditionally consider meditation because it one it's guided uh by someone else um but i i try to explain to people that what i what i intend to do uh is create this space where you can disconnect from all of the tendencies to to hold on to physical tension to uh, shape and control the thoughts in the mind to notice how the impact of your thoughts and minds and emotions will impact your breath the koshas mm -hmm. right it will impact mm -hmm. your body so if we could step back more into this space where we're Kind of identifying and connected with all that's true about ourselves which is um the word i love is the bliss body right <laughs> the anandamaya kosha so it's this idea mm -hmm. that within each of us is bliss and joy is contentment is ease is peace um and so often we externalize the source right we externalize like if we were only in this place i would be at peace if i were only with this person i would be joyful if I only had this much money or this job or this car or this thing, then my life would be better. And I'm not discounting, you know, achievement, uh, but I think to find kind of a settled, centered place in ourselves to know that joy resonates from within, that if we feel like we are the fountain, we are the well of joy and contentment and peace, then if we can turn inward, and, and reconnect with it, not even find it, because it's uh, Tracy Stanley, who we both know, one of my teachers and beloved guides, she she really wanted me to disconnect from the word find. Because when we ask mm. people to find something, it may cause them stress, because they're like, I don't know, where is that? I can't find it, you know? Um, so it's, it's more of, can you receive it? Can you be open to identifying mm. it? Uh, and, and the thing is, sometimes we misidentify what's already there, right? So, um, so for me, yoga nidra is, is a step back. It's a way for you to kind of, you know, there's systematic ways that you can do it. But in, in essence, the larger picture I say is to step back and to let your body rest, let your mind rest, and see if you can just sit in kind of the blissful presence of all that is without the need to change it, fix it, uh, to triage, to, you know, to move everything around, to rearrange the pieces. Um, and maybe then step into a, a space you know this kind of liminal space where you you're just kind of at peace with all that is and maybe as you come back from the other side of the meditation you may connect with or greet those things that were still there in a new way and so um, that's kind of my my hope 
uh, for uh, the experience, but I also try to tell people to be free from the expectations of any particular meditation that things can change from time to time. We all know these practices when we go into them, a lot of us do. Um, so sometimes if we are versed in it, we go in like, okay, I'm going to you know, do this. Like when you walk into a flow class and you're like, I'm, I'm going to nail, you know, Trikonasana today, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it may not, your knee just may just not be down for that today. So, um, so yoga nidra really is, 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 you know, it's, it's considered rest. Uh, it's a deep rest, but it's, it's much more than just kind of the notion of, as someone said, like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's napping. Like, mm-hmm. you know, okay i mean maybe in parlance you could call it that but it's it the intention is not to go to sleep although it often happens mm-hmm. uh but again i i really see it as much more of an opportunity for you to let your mind finally rest <laughs> and maybe along with that your body settles it's particularly uh, people who suffer from chronic pain um it's been shown and you know there are more and more studies that show that people with chronic pain ptsd insomnia um things that we either consciously or unconsciously carry at least mm-hmm. for a moment are able to place them down they're able to set them down um and so that's kind of what yoga nidra in a, in a broad sense for me at least you know and i'm sure i'm not doing justice to the the scholars who would want to go into all of the you know the the 700 bc practice of you know when it all began mm-hmm. well i mean i think that that's that's kind of one of the, the aspects I found this, even as I was, um, talking about restorative yoga, where it can be, I think, challenging to sort of wrap words around these practices that explore more of that liminal space, because I think so much of it is experiential. Um, so I, I wonder if you can speak to like, if, if I'm someone who has never, to my knowledge, at least practiced yoga nidra. I haven't taken a class or been guided by someone who's kind of naming it as that. What, what might that experience entail? What might one expect taking a yoga nidra class or, or being guided through that practice? Okay. Well, that's, that's a good question. And I'll try to address it in a way that, um, so that your listeners, irrespective of what lineage they encounter, would in essence kind of understand the experience um, and, and understand there are some, like like I mentioned, Uma Dinsmortuli, who's kind of post-lineage, so she moves away from necessarily, but a lot of them, uh, lineages look at kind of stages or steps into it. So what I would say for someone who is new to the practice, you'll be invited to a room. <laughs> if you're doing it virtually, you'll be invited to your own space and to pull everything in that will provide creature comforts for your body to really be held and supported. Um, I love the way Tracy Stanley talked about and and, uh, and and Chanti talk about creating this nest, your sacred abode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so w- the idea is that you're going to lie down. And as you lie down, you're supporting yourself with bolsters and pillows and blankets and all the things that will make you feel supported and held. Um, but also, I always remind people that you could do this practice sitting up. Um, you know, if you're seeing a chair, you could do it. So a lot of people don't feel comfortable laying down. They feel vulnerable. They feel unsafe, or they just feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could do it sitting up. And, and that way I would just ask people to let the chair or the couch or whatever, hold them and uncross their feet. Um, and then from there, it's, I would say most people would just give you an explanation of, of, of kind of how things will go, which is um, 
see if you can simply follow along. I often say, can you allow maybe my voice to become your voice? So it becomes a more directed and kind of a, an embodied a feeling um, so that maybe my, my voice becomes your words, becomes a way that you self heal. Um, so, but, but let me not focus on how I do it. So generally mm -hmm. it's, uh, you're going to be invited to a, a room or at your own space, uh, finding a way into a comfortable place to lie down, uh, supported, maybe covering yourself because you often get a little cool because the more still your body becomes and the more calm you become, you may find that you, your body temperature drops. And then from there, I would say typically in most yoga, yoga nidra practices, there's going to be kind of a, a series of, of movement of awareness. So usually it's first just a, aware of your body becoming comfortable and rested. And then it's going to be a movement into an awareness of the body itself. Because what we're trying to do kind of in the kosha model, which is moving from outer to inner, is the outermost layer of the koshas is your body, right? So it's a physical body. So we want you to notice it so you can set it down and just leave it alone. And then we move into an awareness of the breath. Again, maybe subtle control of it, but then releasing that need, recognizing that your body breathes itself. So you don't need to hold on to that breath. And then we move into some rotation of consciousness of, of uh, sometimes it's opposites or sometimes it's um, imagery of, of, of feelings of things. And so we want to notice kind of thoughts and feelings and emotions kind of getting into kind of the mental chatter and the, 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 the cluttered cabin <laughs> that is our mind and see mm -hmm. if we can just sweep things out for a while. And so I've heard some people say, well, you know, I don't like to do meditation because I don't feel like I want to empty my mind. Well, I'm not asking you to empty the mind. I don't think anyone in yoga address say empty your mind. It's just let the thoughts be there like Pema Chodron would say, let them just be the clouds that float by and you remain ever present as the awareness. So then we move into this idea of can you step back noticing that you're observing these thoughts? So usually in yoga nidra, the movement will be from body to breath to awareness of a kind of your awareness itself, which is the thoughts. And do you notice these things? And then stepping back even further to see if you could see yourself maybe sitting on the bank of a river, just watching it all flow by. Or as I say, sometimes you're on the platform, just watching the trains go by and you're just noticing, oh, that's a car. Yeah, that's a milk car. You know, there's, there's a, you don't really get caught up into it. You don't really think about it too much. And then, then it's a kind of a, a withdrawal even deeper within to, to find this place or not, again, find to connect with this place <laughs> where it's, it's, it's a word that's hard to remove, you know, out of the vocabulary, but uh, yeah. to, to sit really kind of uh, become settled in this place where there's truly nothing for you to do, but just rest in, in peace and, and, and a lot of people find this challenging because I, I, I noticed as I guide practices, there are some people with their eyes just wide open staring at the ceiling, and, mm -hmm. you know, and, but, but that's, that is them locating their space. Right. And so, and a lot mm -hmm. of people, it takes practice. Um, you know, the first time you walk in, you may not be able to settle down. You may feel like, you know, every little ache and creak in the body just keeps showing up and the throat all of a sudden gets dry and the, the eyes water or something happens. And so, you know, I think an invitation to people yoga nidra is just to, to, to be open to the experience, to know that there's nothing. If you could release yourself from a goal or an aim from the mm -hmm. class or the practice, um, you might, you might discover that you've opened up to things that you didn't know were there.
And sometimes I also tell people, if your mind keeps coming back to a thought in Yoga Nidra, it, it, it's, there's no admonishment for that, right? So there's, if you find that you just keep coming back to it, could you use the peace and maybe the kind of the sanctity of this, your stillness and the space and the quiet to just sit with it mm-hmm. and tune me out and just kind of let that be your meditation that, you know, it's almost like a mantra meditation. You're just moving through that thought and maybe you kind of need to process that. And this is the first time maybe your body's been able to be still. Uh, or your mind is being able to just coalesce around that one thing uh, and without every other thing kind of pulling for your attention and demands of your body and mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I hope it's, you know, I hope that what people would experience is a peaceful journey. It's usually anywhere from 20 minutes to, you know, 40, 45 minutes. Uh, so I, I you know, a lot of times we project, right? So it's like, this is what I get out of it. But I, you know, my, my hope for people who, if I'm just telling about it, it's not to come to my class, it's to go to a practice and really just see if they can allow their bodies to stop doing. <laughs> to, yeah. I heard on this, uh, I heard on this podcast um, uh, that this the beautiful notion of, of letting go. And it was that letting go is not something we do. It's something we stop doing. Hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in yoga nidra, is it, can you stop doing? Can you simply mm-hmm. be? And a lot of us, a lot of us don't have the immediate wherewithal of how to do that. So we, our minds race and we're like, well, what am I supposed to be doing now? Just listen, just yeah. relax, you know, tune me out and go to sleep. I mean, if it happens, it happens. right? So. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's something so important about, giving yourself, offering yourself a lot of grace if these practices are are newer, even if they're they're not. You know, I there are plenty of times when I settle into whether it's a restorative practice or a yoga nidra practice or any kind of rest practice. And whatever expectations or ideals that I had about what it was going to feel like to, to stop doing, it's like you get kind of bum rushed by all the, the sort of pace that you're used to moving at that maybe you don't even recognize how much you've, you've taken in. And so I think it's so important to remember that just because you settle into your restness, that doesn't mean all that stuff is going to stop, but, but can you maybe receive that invitation of, of shifting to a different pace, having a different vantage point, observing from a little bit of a different, a different angle and through a different lens. Yeah. And I think that, um, perhaps, um, yoga to draw, maybe why it resonates with some people is because it is guided, right? So that there, there is this thing Mm -hmm. where they can allow my voice to, to help tune out or channel away all the other the, the other voices right so mm-hmm. um so it's that internal kind of tick 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 of, of all the things that we're always thinking about and now if you're gently concentrating on the sound of my guidance even if it's just the sound of my voice you maybe you don't hear anything i'm saying you just hear you know it's just the yeah. you know the, the peanuts you know the sound but um, mm-hmm. much maybe you know more melodic i remember my yoga teacher training where i was so concerned about my voice um, because it's low and, you know, I kind of talk slowly. Uh, and I, and I remember we got to the section about pace and, uh, and I said, well, you know, I raised my hand. I said, well, I'm, just, I'm so worried. I'm going to talk people to sleep. And someone in the back of the room said, don't ever change. You know, it was, <laughs> it was this, you know, there was a group of women in the training who flattered me. 
uh, several times during the training, but it was, it, but it was, it, it was a reminder that, you know, just, just even as we guide, right. So it's just our reminders um, to, to not be performative. So that's the thing too, where I talk mm -hmm. in the classes, whether it's yin or uh, particularly yin, um, much less in restorative, but in yin yoga, but also in yoga nidra, notice if you are performing in this meditation, are you here thinking I'm meditating, I meditate? Because as soon as you say I meditate, it's when you're not. Right. Uh, right. It's this, you know, that someone says, you know, as soon as you have to pronounce it, it's usually that you're not. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that that's the, the beauty of, of the invitation, um, but also giving people the, the safety to know that it takes time and to be yes. gentle with yourself and to to not feel like I'm doing it wrong. So I often try mm -hmm. to remind people at the beginning, no matter what happens, there's no way to do this wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. So I hope that people hear that. So even if they take a yoga nidra class with just, you know, if they discover one in their neighborhood or they find one online or they listen to one through an app that even if they don't hear it, that they hear this reminder that there's no way to do it wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. So just see if you can invite yourself to be still put on the headphones or go to the class, lie down and just bathe in it. Right. Just, just allow yourself to be absorbed and saturated by the experience, and and whatever comes out from the other side is what it is, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you may walk away like, man, that sucked. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's soul crushing when you know you you teach a class and you hear someone walk out and they talk to the studio assistant. They're like, hey, how was class? Like, yeah, it was all right. But as I said here, that's their experience, and so I can't guide that, and also can't kind of. I, I need to move away from kind of my validation uh, from what I'm doing based on, you know, one person's experience, because that is their experience and that, you know, that's not, yeah. that's not mine. Right? Well, I mean, I also think that, and I would be curious to hear your thoughts about it in, in teaching styles like this. I do think that, you know, it's, it's so much more stripped down than folks are accustomed to or used to, especially maybe folks that are newer to, to the practice of yoga in general, where there's such an expectation for a physical exertion for there to be so much kind of stimulation in the class, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think there's absolutely a place for every approach to asana and, and to practice. They all kind of come together, but I wonder in terms of teaching these styles, like a, did you personally always feel drawn to teaching styles like this, like yin restorative yoga nidra? Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, I was doing my 200 hour teacher training, which for most of us is kind of a vinyasa flow or, you know, some more active asana uh, mm -hmm. practice. And maybe what was it kind of one weekend a month so eight months or whatever it was um i knew two months in that uh, i probably was likely never going to teach oh now no, i should say never i likely was not going to teach flow mm -hmm. uh not because i didn't think it had merit but because it 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 resonated with me in a way that i felt like this was good for my body but it, this was not necessarily the gift if i were going to offer uh to someone else. And I think that we often project, right? So for me, the restful practices are what just really are my jam. And so mm -hmm. I started a yin yoga training before I even finished my 200 hour training. Um, and so that I fin finished them almost simultaneously um, and then leaned almost, you know, 
seems counterintuitive to say this, I lean hard into the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in Yoga Nidra, I came right after that, and then uh, restorative yoga. And so I've been continuing to, to kind of study in those spaces. Um, and, but I recognize that that's not everyone's job. I mean, just think about what you said. I mean, I've had people come to a yin class with like a headband and a water bottle. And I'm like, what class are you here mm-hmm. for? But, mm-hmm. um, but again, that could be because this is their first time, the expectations or the, the idea of what yoga is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is, is you know, the same thing with meditation, because I think a lot of people have the idea that meditation is, you know, sitting with your legs folded and your hands, you know, in, in pranamudra and you're just, you know, yeah. you're just sitting there silently and you're like, oh my God, when is this over? Um, and so I think that maybe the guided meditations are uh, kind of what drew me in because it, it finally allowed me, as I said earlier, to kind of stop my internal internal tapes from running because mm-hmm. uh, I had to gently focus on where I was being guided. Um, and, I, and I remember just, you know, uh, I went to a, a retreat up at the Himalayan Institute several years ago and Rod Stryker was there and there's some controversy around that but i won't get into that but he was there and um i remember he was guiding like a three-hour kind of breakout on yoga to draw one of his sessions there were there was this immense space and by space i just mean silence right uh mm-hmm. and i started watch peeping right? i was like oh my gosh he hasn't said anything for like seven minutes and i was being the teacher then right i wasn't in the experience so um you know, and, I, and I asked him about that. He, he kind of joked. He said, well, you teach, don't you? Because you were timing everything. And I think that that's our, our tendencies, right? Everything's on a clock, right? So um, I, I try to invite people to like take their watches off, turn their phones on airplane mode um, to see if they can remove mm-hmm. all the external distractions that are there. Because even when the watch is on, it starts to vibrate. You get the phantom vibrations in our hand. And oh, things like yeah. That. It's so yeah. crazy. So um so yeah, I knew for me that the the restful practices were something that uh, I needed to really embrace in my own life, um, and you know, kind of my own form of therapy. Uh, but then also, um, as someone who um, gift giving is not my love language, but, you know, in the love language parlance, mm-hmm. but um, I love to to give. Um, and I love to to see the transformation of people, not because I need the egoic feedback, but because I can see perhaps that I've offered you something that could be useful to you. Um, and it's amazing to see how people either come back repeatedly or the people who come for the first time. And so, you know, your listeners who are going to experience it the first time, I'm not trying to hype it up, but I think that it's this <laughs> idea of, of can, and the word I use often in my classes, can you give yourself permission? to rest Mm -hmm. and we don't realize how much we don't give ourselves permission we say we do we give Mm -hmm. you know we we i think we we i like the idea that oh i'm gonna go chill but we're still here we're processing we're you know we're you know we still haven't put the phone down or you know the the, you know something's buzzing Mm -hmm. or clicking and or we're just we're still processing so we're physically present but mentally disconnected and so um Mm -hmm. that's that's what really was the beauty of the of the practice for me and something that I really endeavor to, to do much more often. I mean, I'm sure you can appreciate it. as someone who guides and teaches, it's helpful to, to, to do the right practices that you're guiding. Um, yeah. It's easy I to mean, get away from it as a teacher. Yeah. I think that that's, that's another curiosity that I have for you as well, because I, 
I went through, uh, I like that I say, I went through this period of time. It wasn't that. It was a really enjoyable aspect of my teaching where I was teaching more active practices and very similar to, to your training experience where we were taught to teach vinyasa. We were taught to teach um, upright uh, things where we would be upright most of the time and, and sweating. And there there is a lot of joy and fun in guiding that. Um, and... I do find that teaching styles like this, these more subtle styles um, and these practices of, of receiving do require something different, you know, do require, I think one of the biggest things I notice is you've got to get really comfortable with, with quiet, you know? And I think as, as teachers, especially in those kind of initial stages of learning to teach so much of it is like finding the opposite, like finding your voice, being able to, how am I going to talk for this entire hour and guide folks for this entire hour? And I also think us as yoga teachers, we love to chat. Um, like this podcast episode could easily be three hours long as we start getting into it. So I, I wonder what, what do you find is, is different if anything, or some key things that are, important or maybe a paradigm shift even from a teacher perspective in guiding these practices and even speaking to your point earlier while you ponder um i think it's always important as as a teacher of yoga to be practicing yoga i find it to be particularly critical when teaching styles that are more offering practices that are more subtle. Um, so yeah, what, what are your, what are your thoughts? What do you find is, is important maybe in particular to, to teaching these styles and is, is different, perhaps different requirements than active styles. Well, I think to your, to your point, maybe to your question, um, the, the, I've been teaching for five years now. And I think that probably with anything you do in your life that the the more you do it the more i guess you could say comfortable or um you could even say confident you become with it um the more secure you become with it for me that security shows up as less let me do less right mm -hmm. and so as judith hansen last year a beautiful restorative yoga guide and teacher would say let's cut down on the yoga blah 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 Right. So, yeah. you know, our, our need to fill every space with words and you know, my wife always says, you know, I'm a man of a thousand words, you know, shows up on this podcast, I'm sure. But I mean, it's, 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 can I do less? So even as, as, uh, as a student, can I do less? Can I, can I not always just go in and, you know, I mean, I, I try to break people like you, and this is just evil maybe, but I'm like, um, you know, someone who always has their spot, their room, I'm like, try a different spot. You know, try and see if you have a different experience by moving around the room. It may kind of completely shift your experience. Um, and if it doesn't, then move back. But uh, for me, in my own practice, it is um, stop making excuses. Right? It's, it's well, I've only got this much time. And, and kind of, you know, to your original question is, um, anyone who's entering meditation, whether you call it, you know, going to draw or mindfulness, meta, start with less, right? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm a cyclist, right? So I jumped on the Peloton the first time I took like a 45 minute ride and I just about died. And so, you know, I'm like, <laughs> but I'm a cyclist, you know, but as opposed to just like, let me take a 20 minute low impact ride to just see how it feels. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was walking in with all these kind of expectations and you know, predisposition about it. Um, so a, a big thing for me, whether it's yin, restorative, uh, even as I've taught flow, I, and when I do teach flow, it is like, so I guess it would be super chill and it's like, you know, very kind of flowy, you know, it's like I, in, in yoga and draw, I've gotten much more comfortable in talking less because mm-hmm. as Judith Hanson Lesser, I mentioned, she would say that the more we're talking, the less that the student is experiencing things, right? Because they they have to kind of process and listen. And yoga nidra is a little different because we are guiding them. But can you guide them up to a space where you invite them to notice something and then stop talking, <laughs> so that they yeah. can actually can actually visualize it or experience it or use their mind's eye or their imagination or their senses to to kind of connect with the thing that you want them to experience. And if you just keep talking. Uh, right. And you're restorative. I mean, I, I might talk maybe two, three minutes into the pose and the pose is 12, 14, 15 minutes. I mean, there's a lot of space. Right? Yeah. Um, and I always yeah. try to remind people that I'm always here with you. You know, I'm here with you. You know, we're holding space. Um, this hell, you know, this is protected space where even if we're virtual, I'm always here with you. But there's a space where the, the space I'm holding the presence with you is to just to sit next to you. I don't need to say anything. I'm hoping that the presence with each other will give you the the, the freedom and the permission, the space to explore uh, again that non doing. So uh, mm-hmm. that's been something that has been critical for me, and and you know with my teachers like Tracy and Jeremy Wolf and uh, Jennifer Reese. I mean, just the progression of of my own practice and teaching um, and my own personal practice is I need far less than I did at the beginning. Hmm. I remember during the pandemic towards the beginning, taking online classes and would be signed up, you know, for a a slow flow or a vinyasa or something of the sort. And I would get like, one cat cow in one salutation. And then for 45 minutes, I'm like in Shavasana in, in a cocoon. And I, I mean, part of why I think it's really important to, to share about, about these practices, I think too, when it comes to yoga or any, any movement practices, any way in which folks are connecting with, with their body, we're often presented with like, there's a big spotlight on one access point and one way to approach that even when we get into more subtle practices or more rest practices, like you said, it's like, there's this sort of expectation of how long I've never experienced yoga ninja before. I'm going to sign up for a 90 minute full immersive or whatever it may be. And could you start with less? Could you allow yourself to kind of acclimate and have that space to digest the experience. And I think when it comes to holding that space for, for silence, I even, I even think about when you're reading a really great book or a really great story. So much of the story of course, is in, in the words that are written, but there's so much space. It's the space that you infer, like as a reader in between the sentences, in between the words that fills in so much, um, so much context. Yeah, there's a beautiful poem by Judy Brown called "The Fire, uh, Fire of the Fire," and she and kind of paraphrasing it, just getting to the point of what you just said was, she said it's it's the space between the logs 
that makes the fire, right? It's the space between that lets it breathe. And so, you know, we often, you know, we hear that expression, like, let it breathe, right? Mm -hmm. But it's that idea that, and, and, and this is like with this, the, the Sankalpa, which is often a part of many yoga nidra practices, which is, in essence, the sacred vow. So if someone's new to the practice, a lot of times you'll be asked to create a Sankalpa, which is, in essence, like a, uh, a resolution you make with yourself, a vow you make to yourself that's much more affirmational and present tense as opposed to like, oh, I want to be this thing. We will ask you to temporarily suspend your idea of whether it's believable or not and just say, I am this thing, right? So I am... Mm -hmm patient or I am calm or I am at ease with all the other stuff that goes on in my life and recognizing that it's just, again, to suspend this idea that we always, you know, kind of have to judge and critique and, 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 and we're sitting often in disbelief for things in our own life. Right. So we, we, we shape everything so often from kind of the negative energy standpoint that, that, that this can't be true. And I ask you just to imagine what it'd be like if it were so and recognizing that really, that's a challenge, right? But if we could embrace the idea that we are the silence, not the sound, we're the silence, not the sound, mm -hmm. right? And you know, that we're stillness, not the action, the action are things that happen, you know, we're the stillness in between. So it almost coming back to your true nature, which is stillness, silence, mm -hmm. joy, contentment, ease, peace. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, you know, think about it. all the other things that happen are external stimulus, right? They're, they're things. So really kind of like these, these things that would happen in our lives that we feel like are just kind of weighing us down or controlling us are not us. Right. And so mm -hmm. I, you know, it's, it may be, that's the idea of just kind of suspend that idea of, you know, just ruminating all those things and just be the silence, just be the silence. I say, as I leave space for silence, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I think that so much of, I think about, the word you used earlier about receiving and, and the word that comes to me and in, in thinking about what you're saying now is, is how much these practices, whether it's yoga nidra, you know, what we're talking about today, but any, anything that's slowing down and, and more subtle and going from that more kind of gross, tangible level to a deeper level, I find they're always practices of revealing, right? Like you're not to, to go back to kind of letting go of, of the word finding, like you're not finding silence or you're not finding refuge. You're, you are revealing and kind of stripping away the, the layers and the things that get sort of stacked on top of, like you said, your true nature. Right. And I think like with yoga, just broadly in general, that's part of what, what, it is helping to reveal is like all of this already exists within you, but understandably, as we move through the world, as we move through our life, our experiences, there's all this sort of residue that, you know, finds its way to informing our perspective on things. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a beautiful point because it's, it's, again, our tendency to shape everything based on, you know, conditions and, you know, how we were raised. And uh, mm -hmm. one thing that came to mind when you were saying that was just like me and, it, you know, it's not really my role necessarily, but uh, to try to provide a space of comfort for people, particularly uh, someone who's new to practices, right? Where 
uh, and I'm just going to touch on it, spirituality, right? Because some people mm-hmm. are like, well, I don't know. What do, you, what do you got me chanting? What do you have me saying? What, what, what the heck are koshas? You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, and what does that mean? And, and I think people get tripped up on that. So um, I think the idea of inviting people to this idea where they can let go of, of at best as best they can, and I often try to say that you know, as best you can, because sometimes we get frustrated because like, hey, I just can't stop thinking about it. Like, oh, it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you know, like you said, it's it's it's. And, and I often to say very vulnerably, like I I often project as I teach, right? So I'm, I'm projecting my own stuff, right? But I find that it resonates because a lot of us, as much as we like to think we're different, we're very similar. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of us may have different drivers for you know the conditions of how we were raised and the the the, the familial kind of boundaries and all the baggage that comes with that. Um, but a lot of us are the same. That you know, it may be kind of different languages, same words, right? So we're all mm-hmm. kind of approaching this in a way where we're just, and I think that the reason this practice, um, and I'm just really like a big <laughs> uh, advocate for it. And, you know, maybe just a, you know, say an evangelist for, for rest is that, you know, I said, I'm becoming amba- an ambassador for rest because sometimes yeah. evangelists gets people to the wrong thing. But yeah. um, it's this idea of like, again, breaking perceptions of what, what it even means. I, I think we both, you know, we, we look at like map ministry and, and, and things like mm-hmm. that. And, and they, you know, they try to dispel this idea of, of what rest is, right. You know, because, um, mm-hmm. and particularly for, for, I think for a lot of us, you know, generationally it can be different. And then also d- depending on what like communities of whether ethnic or you know, communities of color, the idea mm-hmm. of rest is like, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I don't have time to rest. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you'll be dead sooner than you think because, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and really this idea that, uh, embracing this idea that, you know, kind of rest is, is essential. And we all know that like, oh, I should get my eight hours of sleep, but it's not just that, right. It's the idea that, you know, so many things have kind of harnessed us and like, you know, corralled us to do this, and that, and, um, a lot of us don't feel the uh, confidence or even feel like we have the right to just stop, yeah. to just stop. I mean, and, the permission and, uh, mm-hmm. to use your word earlier, yeah, the permission yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, people are like, you know, who am I to, you know, step back from this? I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter if you work at the mall or, you know, a bus driver or, uh, you know, you know, a, kind of in office executive or whatever. I mean, all of us, you know, irrespective of our lives and people, and you think about, you know, this is where I'm trying to see if I can branch my practices into areas where, um, you know, people who, who are kind of working, you know, living, I mean, literally day to day, they're just trying to scrape by day to day, the immense stress and, and stress of people who live uh, in, in communities of, of, uh, you know, stress, whether it's rural, you know, it's, in, you know, in the cities, um, it's, you know, poverty, it's, there's, there's so many things that stack up against us. And the people often who are most need of that relief, uh, don't, don't, don't have the avenue or the resources to, or the wherewithal to, to, to connect with it. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, recognizing that sometimes it feels like, oh, it's so luxurious, you know, how luxurious is my life and I could just pay for an hour and go lay down somewhere. Uh, and I, and I embrace that and I'm, you know, God knows I don't want to <laughs> insult mm-hmm. my, my, my students, but I mean, I'm just saying that, you know, can we also see that there are communities, uh, that are in, in most probably even more in need of some moment of relief. Right. I mean, I think about people who live, 
in conflict zones, right? I mean, we're mm-hmm. hearing about Ukraine, but we you know we're not talking about you know Sudan and you know other parts of you know uh, Sub-Saharan Africa and you know other parts of the world and parts of you know, Southeast Asia that are just constantly in turmoil. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if people could just have a moment, and I say, you know, can we offer a dedication, almost sending this virtual hug of silence and peace and stillness to people who literally round the clock just aren't not able to be still. Uh, mm-hmm. So sorry for that tangent. It just you know, it just made me mm-hmm. think about like, you know, the again the beauty of practices where we're we're disconnecting from all of the demands and the and the, mm-hmm. the to do lists and the have tos and the shoulds and words I've been trying to kind of remove from my vocabulary. Like, oh, I should do this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as one of my I had a coach who said, either you want to or you don't. There is no should. You want to or you don't. Mm-hmm. So I think if you want rest if you feel like oh my god i'm exhausted you want to rest right it's not about a should mm-hmm. or you know is it bad or mm-hmm. um, you know all these labels we put on things and and i think that if we could just embrace i'm tired <laughs> i'm going to sit down for five minutes and just close my eyes or i'm going to sit back and uh set an alarm if you're worried about five turning into 30 but you know um mm-hmm. yeah it's it's something that you know and i think that i didn't share that like in my own life, I mean, I career shifted. Uh, so I was 26 years working in politics as, uh, I loosely say as an attorney, although I wasn't kind of in the traditional, you know, kind of glamorous sense of an attorney. I, was, I just had a law degree, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I worked in politics and kind of that frenetic, you know, goofy space of, of, of everything is, everything had to be done two hours ago and, you know, hair is on fire. And, and I, even then I was always the one who was like, eh, let's take a breath on this one. But I just, you know, reached a point where, uh, in my own life, I had to step back from it because it just there was no joy in it. Uh, I was good at it, but there was just no there was no reward internally uh, for the work. Mm-hmm. And so, to step back, I had to kind of not say, "Well, let me go from that to yoga instruction and guidance." It was, can I connect with the peace I need in my own head? Right. As you started to center rest, slowing down, however you might phrase it more in your life or more, um, within your set of values, how, how has it shifted the way that you go about your day, the way that you go about piecing together your life, if you will. Um, I'm, I'm chuckling, uh, and I had to be, you know, to do this thing where I say, let me do what I practice or what I teach is let me make sure I sit and listen to the <laughs> entire question instead of more formulating <laughs> my answer before you finish. Um, that's, I mean, it's a great question. I think that, and I'm not quite there yet. It's just, um, I stopped apologizing for my life, right? I stopped apologizing for the pace of my life because when I step back to do this work first on myself and then to full, more fully embrace um, guiding and teaching, um, you know, but I, I, I pulled myself out of a world that was just busy and frenetic. And, you know, everyone was measured on how many, how many tens of hours over 40 did you work this week? Um, and some people get fulfillment for that. I do not. And so for me, the, to answer your question, it was I had to reach the point or I'm continuing to reach the point where I'm not apologizing for the pace of my life. Where mm-hmm. um, someone says, oh, what did you do today? And I'm like, nothing. 
<laughs> like on a day where I don't teach, I'm like nothing. Or the day that I do teach, I'm like, I teach at 745. What I do before that, I'm going to read. I'm going to go for a bike ride. And I mean, but these are choices I made in my life. And, you know, I feel blessed that I'm able to kind of continue that work. Um, so shout out to my wife. Thanks, babe. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I mean, we, you know, I, I planned for this as well, but um, it's important to, and I think maybe this is the, the, not that I'm offering a lesson for people, but it's the, maybe an example of, can you find the comfort? Can you connect with the comfort of living your life in a way that you don't have to be performative? You don't have to apologize. You don't have to make excuses. If you, if the pace of your life is, is filling your heart, is, 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 is really setting your soul on fire. It's just really speaking to you in a way. Then you've kind of found, you've, you found the, the sweet spot. And so instead of uh, apologizing for it, embrace it, you don't have to walk around and like, Oh, you know, look at my life. Oh, you're so busy. I don't do anything all day. It's not that it's more of the, and I've had people say that like, wow, you look so peaceful, you know, and then they saw me, I mean, these are people who saw me four years ago. And again, I thought I was peaceful at my job, but I guess I wasn't because, uh, you know, I, <laughs> 17 direct reports who were always pushing my buttons. But, um, mm -hmm. but you know, um, I mean, people that I know very well, I mean, they see me from one space to the next and they're like, wow, you just, you know, you seem so at ease. And, and, I, and I, you know, like you said, you know, early on in the conversation, it, it's not always that way. Um, I mean, we all have kind of these rubber bands that are knotted up inside of us that are, you know, mm -hmm. ready to snap. Um, and it's interesting what things can trigger you out of nowhere, but it's then re relying on these practices to say, okay, let me step back. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> let me step yeah. back and breathe into that for a minute. Because like, just like when you asked me the question, like, let me stop thinking of the answer and let me let the whole question be asked. Because my answer may change if I actually sit and listen. Someone I consider a kind of a, a, a beloved teacher, Mark Nepo, is, you know, I think you've heard me share some of his poetry before, but um, I love the way that he writes in his books. Uh, a lot of times at the end, he'll say, sit in conversation with this. And mm -hmm. so it's the idea of sitting in conversation with yourself. You're not talking to anybody but yourself, but you're sitting in conversation with a question. Mm -hmm. And so often we're just, you know, we're so obsessed with, with maybe solving and, and answering everything that we're not actually pondering the actual question. Mm -hmm. And then even to say, well, who cares? Right? I mean, like some of these questions, like what does it matter? It's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Some of the things just don't matter. And so I think that, it doesn't have to be this harsh thing. It doesn't mean that people don't matter, that situations don't matter, but they're not going to move the needle on your peace. And I love that, you know, your, your, your tag is protect your peace. Right. You know, and I love the one where I've seen it at all costs. Right? Right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that's it. It's, you know, I love your tagline of protect your peace. I mean, it's, it's, it's profound in just the simple three words, protect your peace. And, and a lot of us don't know what that means. Um, mm -hmm. we don't, or we don't know a lot of us don't know what our piece is. Right. So can you sit back and say, you know, what, what, you know, what does allow me to have some space or some peace or, you know, what brings me joy? Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and let those things kind of bloom and, and be nourished. 
uh, as opposed to seeing them as like, well, you know, the vacation, like once off, I'll do it there. And, and then, you know, a year later, I'll come back to it. No, no, let's, mm-hmm. let's make that a more regular practice of, of, of peaceful spaciousness in your body, mm-hmm. in your mind, in your heart. Um, you know, what, what burdens could you put down if just for five minutes? You know, for just five minutes, could you just set everything down that you feel is pulling and demanding of you that is tugging at your heart and just say, you know what, for five minutes, it's just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's, that's, you know, kind of then expand that out to yoga nidra. So you imagine you're being guided and maybe for those 20 minutes, 15, maybe 40 minutes, that, you know, in one of my classes uh, or another person, you know, a guided thing. Um, there's nothing you need to fix in that time. You're just listening. And maybe your mind goes somewhere and it takes you there and you tune you know, the person out for a little while. And, and look at the beauty of that, that, you know, you have this stillness now to just ponder, right? to just, yeah. just sit with the question, just sit with a question and to be less obsessed with the answer. Just sit with the question. Cause a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the reasons of, dipping into the why is what we get to, right? Why am I even worried about this thing? Why does this, you know, why am I so obsessed with like getting there instead of just Mm -hmm. being here? Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, I mean, you know, and I hope you can hear from even my kind of my own, you know, breathless, you know, expressions here is it's, it's something I remind myself. And, And so to hear me talk just reminds me of how much, there's still a lot of work to be done internally. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, I, you know, I try to tell people who take my classes, look, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> and I'm just hoping that I can yeah. impart something that maybe guides you in the same direction of, of healing thyself. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think that that can be one of the sort of um, great fallacies of any, any practice, the idea that at some point you will um, arrive and the work will be completed. There will be nothing, nothing else to, um, to discover you've figured out at all. And I think that, that any yoga practice is, is an invitation to, I caution to use the word active, but to, to be kind of an, an active communion, an active participant in your relationship with yourself. And I think what you, what you've said about the importance of being with the question, being able to sit with the question, being able to sit with what, what comes to the surface, what's revealed when you begin to, to slow down and you you're starting to be guided through this technique, through this practice that there, there have been many times as well, where I'm like, why was I so worried about that? You know, sometimes you just, because I think of the pace that we go, you just, you start to grip onto things and you don't even realize why you're gripping onto them anymore. And that's not to say that when you practice yoga nidra or when you settle into rest, that you're going to be able to just let go of everything. I think that's also kind of not, not a very reasonable expectation, but, but I think what you're speaking to in terms of even just having what, what on the outside might seem like, oh, well, it's just five minutes. It's just two minutes. I mean, one of the things that I think really shifts when you are, 
when you are resting, whatever the access point is, is your relationship with time, right? Like there's so, there's so many times where I'm like, I, you know, I'm having maybe more of one of those frenetic days. I'm like, I don't, yeah, of course I have two minutes here and there, but that's not enough time. That's not enough time for me to settle into a practice. It's not enough time for me to take a couple of breaths. And I am reminded over and over again that it's not necessarily that the practice gives you more time. It, it reorients your relationship to it, to where you're like, oh, just that simple three minutes in my car, <laughs> putting on a recording or being yeah. with my breath allowed me to, to loosen a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, in, in particular, subtle practice of yin restorative, um, but also in yoga nidra. And, and this isn't, you know, this isn't an egoic statement, but I mean, um, I feel like one of the, 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 the feedback that I love to receive, or love to hear, and again, it's not to fill my ego. It's, it's, it's understanding that maybe I created the conditions where people lost sense of time that, mm. that when, mm. when, when a class is over, whether it's yin restorative yoga to draw, I feel like some of the, the, the kind of the most heartfelt feedback is that was an hour. Yes. Right? All right. Yes. You know, because they're like, oh my God, I don't want it to be over, you know, or, or they've they completely lost orientation of time. They're like, you know, yeah, like they fell into the space time continuum. They're like, would they, that was an hour. Um, particularly like when you feel like you're lying down. Yeah. Um, and, and the, you know, you lose sense of time. Like when, you know, when you start to guide them back up and give them a, a space for transition back, right. Cause you want to give them an opportunity to kind of come out of that kind of that liminal space, that kind of sleepless dream state right? where they're just kind of mm -hmm. like here, but not here. And like, it, you know, they could be a little disoriented. Um, and that's when you do lose sense of time. It's like, like they say in dreams, like we could be asleep for five minutes. It can feel like five hours, right? Because the mind mm -hmm. processes time in a way that uh, it's not you know linear necessarily. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I agree with you. And I think that that connection to time and uh, stress held in the body, that disconnection, becomes the liberation that you know of rest that comes from mm -hmm. yoga nidra where you are not as i was doing in that that, that, that retreat time peeping right i was doing like peeping the clock um and so that's that's a beautiful um idea that you brought up because i think that that that's so important that disconnection from time because we everything is kind of on the clock on the clock, right? It's like if we're at work, but like, I got to get so much done between this time. And, you know, and some people are literally on the clock, like they're paid in increments of time and, um, mm -hmm. um, or everything is just slotted down to minutes and seconds. And, um, here again, use that word again, permission. Can you just give yourself permission to turn that clock off or turn it around? And, and, and particularly like, uh, yoga nidra, the thing is like in a classroom and you know, studio, it's a little different because that's what we need to get up and leave. But, uh, when sure. you're doing it at home, right? When you're doing it at home or, you know, whether it's virtual or you're doing it through the app, uh, you know, and I think that the, the, the key thing there is if you feel inclined to stay right where you are, then just do it. Cause a lot of times we feel like, Oh, it's the end. It's over. Let's go on to the next yes. thing. Uh, maybe you sit and savor that for a little longer, or maybe the, mm -hmm. the, the app ended, the, the audio ended, but you're still just mm -hmm. there. So if maybe they invite you to roll to your side and you're like, no, not yet. <laughs> right? Or you roll to your side and they're like, sit up. No, not yet. Right. So I think that that's where I try to encourage people, even in a classroom, because I'll give people, you know, 15, 20 minutes, even after class to kind of mm -hmm. transition out of the room. So I, I don't want to rush anyone out. So 
Uh, I mean, just last night I was teaching Yen and <laughs> someone at the end of Shavasana was still just played out. Everyone mm-hmm. else was sitting up and I'm just like, just let her be, you know, she needs, you know, that's her, that's her thing. Which I think goes back to even, you know, what you were saying about, about listening, you know, and I, I think we can get so hung up as students, um, if we're taking a class or being guided in a practice by somebody of, of really thinking that the point is to listen to the teacher, um, the external teacher that, you know, is, is guiding you. And, you know, one of the things that I love that one of my teachers, Bo Forbes talks about is she'll say when, when the posture or when the sensation feels complete in your body, start to initiate that transition. And I, I love that because it's also inviting folks back to, it's inviting yourself back to kind of that question of checking in before you transition. And I think whether it's in yoga nidra, you know, making your way kind of out of, of the practice or just in day-to-day life, right. You know, like Tracy talks about this all the time about paying attention to the transitions that we just breeze by, you know, it's like, okay, time is up. Practice is over. I'm going to sit up, pack up my stuff and move on. It's like, can you soak in whatever has shifted? If anything has, has shifted and bring kind of that, that with you. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And I, and I love that. And, um, you know, I think because we've, we've been exposed to people with kind of um, similar kind of energy and, and, and healing power, um, those those thoughts come through. And I remember, because um, the word prepared is something that I often use. When you feel prepared, mm-hmm. make your transition. Mm-hmm. Only when you feel ready. Right? So mm-hmm. I try to tell people, you don't have to be in sync here. You know, this is, you know, I'm not taking a shot at Bikram, but, you know, like Bikram, it moves through and it's a sequence and it's everything's in time. Well, and um, I also I, think there's a lot, most practices, especially active practices, it's either like explicitly or implicitly implied, you are moving at the pace that you're being guided. Um, right, and it's right. at a particular clip. Yeah. And, and I think that um, when I was at this uh, same retreat at the Himalayan Institute, great, it was Gary Kraftstow who, or maybe someone else who said, you know, we hear the expression when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And they gave maybe a more clarifying uh, translation of it is when the student is prepared, the teacher appears, mm. right? So it's a, it's a subtle difference, right? So it's prepared, meaning that you've kind of, you've kind of set in. And so here, an, an idea of transition yoga to draw, where when you do reach kind of toward the end, quote, end of the practice, that transition from back to side, from side to seat. Um, I try to be very intentional about saying only when you feel ready, mm-hmm. only when you're prepared, move here. Or if the inclination, if the body says I'm good right where I am, listen to your body. Notice your mind's tendency to overrule everything the body's telling you and see if you can just honor that feedback. If just this time, right. To say mm-hmm. body's like, I'm good. <laughs> right. And so, you know, don't worry about how you look. It's just focus on how you feel. Mm-hmm. So what you feel says, I need more. Stay right where you are. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that will lend to you being more receptive to that feedback in different parts of your, your day, your, your life. And so I think if your body says, 
no, I'm not ready to move yet. Or your body says, I am tired, stop moving. Um, or your mind is just overwhelmed with things. Maybe that's your indication to take a little bit of time. And I, we often, and again, this thing about time, we, we seem to slot our lives into like a work time sheet, right? We're even on mm-hmm. our own time, we're like, well, I had a woman tell me, well, I don't have five minutes to meditate because that's five minutes I could be productive doing something else. I'm like, okay, in, in that same language, you do see that rest is productive, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. allow you to, to perhaps be more productive in the other times that you're, you know, you're kind of running around putting out fires. But um, this idea, this kind of dis, disentanglement of, of rest is somehow being useless of, 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 of not being productive. Um, and again, it's all based on, on, on time and this cycle of, of production and doing and, and, and this incessant need to just prove and do and strive and struggle. And it's just like mm-hmm. uh, Mark Nepo in one of his poems said, you know, the strong can be in the storm without worshiping the storm. Right. I think a lot of us worship the storm. We, even when we don't mm-hmm. recognize it, we worship the storm. Like we all have friends who seem to just strive. Like they don't, they can't be in a relationship without just a lot of drama. Right? Mm-hmm. Like they thrive on drama. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of like, you know, no drama guy. I'm like, uh, I don't mind conflict if it can be resolved. I don't like it to fester. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, there's some people feel like they're, they're somehow like they've they gotten this idea that like unless their life is just a grind, you know, the salt mines kind of thing. And then it's like, oh, you know, I'm wasting time. I'm, I, mean, I should be doing something like you are. <laughs> you are. Yeah. Can you see this as a gift that you're giving to your soul? Right? Mm-hmm. There's so many important nuggets and things that you've said that, that need to be digested. You know, I think that that's, that's something that is really important to to understand about any of these practices is allowing that space for not everything needs to be figured out right away. You don't need to make sense of every aspect of the experience right after you have it or as you're having it. Um, and so, yes, I'm really I'm really grateful for your words and your insight and and your perspective on on these practices. Yeah. If it's all right, I mean, I was talking about Mark Nepo and I think that in this conversation, if it's all right to share one of his poems and I shared it last night in class and it, in our conversation, it just came up about this idea of it. Maybe it'll make sense. So the poem is called at the window. I was at the window when a fly near the latch was on its back, spinning legs, furious going nowhere. I thought to swat it, but something in its struggle was too much my own. It kept spinning and began to tire. Without moving closer, I exhaled steadily, my breath a sudden wind, and the fly found its legs, rubbed its face, and flew away. I continued to stare at the latch, hoping that someday the breath of something incomprehensible would right me and enable me to fly. I want to close out with 
a set of questions that at some point I'm going to figure out a name other than like speed round, because that feels so the antithesis of everything we've talked about. (laughs) Right? Like whatever the opposite is of, uh, we'll say, um, questions, questions that, you know, top of mind response to Mm -hmm. them. Um, some are borrowed from my, my favorite questions from inside the actor's studio and also Stephen Colbert. Um, so first question is a big, is a big hard pivot, but also involves something that I love very dearly. So what, what Matthew to you is the best sandwich? What is the best sandwich? There are so many that come to mind, but the first thing that comes to mind is peanut butter and jelly, crunchy (gasps) peanut butter. What, what do jelly. you, oh, very specific. What do you love about a PB&J? Why is it that um, I, you know, I, you know, my wife talks about, you know, she's in the food world and she actually talks about food memories. And I, maybe it's just like a childhood memory, but there's something just very comforting about a PB&J. And it's like, it never fails. Right? It's just, mm. it's consistent. I mean, it's just like, you know, uh, you know, I mean, there's factors involved with the bread and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I just feel like it's consistent because you could get, I love egg salad, but I've had some really ratchet egg salad sandwiches before. Uh-huh. I like, you know, or, you know, just any kind of mix of, you know, like, and there's always some great, like, salad. But PB&J, it's just, it's a winner. It's just, PB&J, it's just, yeah. crunchy peanut butter, raspberry jam. Who who makes the best PB&J? Well, aside from myself, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the answer can be yourself, by the way. Oddly enough, I mean, you wouldn't even think this, but uh, Potbelly, little sandwich store Potbelly, mm. they make a PB&J. And, they, and I usually don't like toasted PB&J because it's just, I just like it soft and you know, I get food memory oh, from yeah. childhood. But they make a really good PB&J. It's simple and it's, it's crunchy. It's on that crunchy bread. Okay. Winner. PB and J. All right. So you're feeling overextended, Mm. worn out, and the familiar sense of resistance to rest arises within you. What do you say to yourself to encourage slowing down and devoting time to rest? First thing you say to yourself. Mm. Uh, That's, that is a great question because it probably shifts, but maybe the most consistent statement I'll make to myself is, um, it can wait right? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I think we make everything so immediate. Um, and even my old job, I mean, that expression, nobody is dying, literally no one is dying. So, you know, why do you need this by 5 PM? Not that I'm not willing to work, but I mean, this things take time and maybe that's it. Things take time, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, uh, it was Emily Morrison, another great writer. Um, she talks about the only things that happen in an instant are, are uh, trauma and something else. She's like, everything else takes time. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, give yourself time. So maybe that's it. I'll reach, I'll restate everything. It, 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 things take time. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think it's just that idea of like the immediacy. Just I've, I've tried to really unplug from that idea that everything has to be microwave instant. It's just, it doesn't. Um, and mm-hmm. so when I start to fall in that tendency of, uh, oh my gosh, I feel stressed and I'm like, da, 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 da. it'll wait, it'll, it, it can wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is a song, an artist or an album that always grounds you 
or brings you a sense of like contentment or peace? It's funny because I'm I'm super like into like chill out beat music and stuff like that. And uh my you know, that's probably the longest spot of every yoga teacher must have an endless But, <laughs> but I mean yeah, I do I have a lot of yoga playlists, but I have one called Chill Out Beats and it's just like down tempo stuff. But to yeah. The first thing that came to mind is Marvin Gaye's uh, I Want You album, which I contend is one of the greatest albums ever because there's not a skippable song on that album. I listen to that song. It brings me joy. I mean, the, the album, it brings me joy. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm, I, I get all the feels. I'm elated. I'm just at ease. I'm, I'm happy. Uh, and, you know, funny, it's a, a bit tawdry, but <laughs> it's, it's a great album. If, if you don't get too caught up into all the lyrics, but it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it just, it gives me joy. I love that album. Great answer. Great answer. Last question. Three words that describe your relationship with rest today in this moment. Evolving. Uh, Grateful. Unfinished. I know I said that was the last question. It is the last question in my currently unnamed rapid fire section. Um, but where can folks practice with you and engage with, with your work if they would like to find more of you and continue to hear your voice? Oh, thank you. Thank you for asking. Um, so my uh, website is uh, matthewdlyons.com. I, I try to keep a very... Um, up-to-date calendar of events uh, and, and classes. I keep my class schedule there and any events that I'm doing, um, and which lately has included some workshops and some uh, retreats and festivals that I've been uh, blessed to, to be asked to be a part of. So that's where you can find me. And Instagram is the same thing. It's Matthew D. Lyons. Um, tend to post mostly on things about yoga and rest and some random, <laughs> some random photography stuff, but, uh, and, and, uh, videos out of train windows and stuff like that. It's just like, okay, but there are, it. there are also very controversial questions about things like candy corn and um, <laughs> on there as well, which, which is <laughs> trash. I, mean, I, I, I agree. I'm to keep this positive. You know, I agree. Like, yeah. yeah. Cause candy corn, you know, like, you know, I think the joke is the only good place for it is in the trash, but it, it seems every year around Halloween, it seems to be this controversy and I know carrot cake has come up, you know, I've just had this. Yeah. You know, there is no love for carrot cake in here, but I mean, bless people who like it, but yeah. So, so you, you know, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find and, and, and I'm glad you asked because I've been kind of foot dragging on something I call the summer, summer chill series, which by the time I finally get it going, maybe the August or the autumn chill series, but I have not only um, classes based in studios, some of which are also hybrid. So if people wanted to tune in uh, virtually, but I also last summer created, and I wanted to replicate it this summer, which was a series of free slash pay what you can classes. So for your listeners, someone who may say, well, you know, I don't know, kind of, I don't want to, you know, maybe sometimes it's the investment, you know, it's just that could be the the kind of the bar to entry, or it could just be going somewhere. And I think sometimes the sanctity of just practicing your own home, particularly a practice like yoga nidra, where you are literally just listening right mm-hmm. um and so that can resonate i always invite people to put their headphones on or just find a couple of space so thank you for asking i mean i yeah. I, I really have um you know at you know, this point in my life i'm just about trying to to be of service 
uh, to rest and to, to help people maybe find the path toward um, a more spacious place around their heart. Uh, I, you know, I'm leaning hard <laughs> into my heart-led life of just being at rest and helping others to connect to that feeling and, and, and see what happens. I mean, sometimes we have this expectation of what rest feels like and they, we get disappointed because like, no, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't what I wanted, right? Mm-hmm. But it just may not be your practice. So yoga nidra may not be for everybody or maybe it just takes time. It's kind of like the, that series that you, you like the first, everyone's telling you to go watch that series. And the first episode, you're like, this sucks. <laughs> and yeah. then three episodes in, you're like, oh my God, I'm hooked. Right. So, uh, I think that could happen with these practices, but I want people also just to have the space permission to say, uh, just because we're talking about it doesn't mean it has to be your thing. And so give mm-hmm. it a try, give it a couple tries, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say at least three, <laughs> try three times. And then if it resonates, then stay with it and maybe make it a more regular practice. And if not know that there are a lot of other offerings that could be available to you to yes. help you connect better with your peace. Right? So. Yes. Hmm. Well, thank you for being here. Thank well, thank you. you. It's really a joy and an honor to to be asked and to, to be present with you. It's uh, I'm glad we connected. It's kind of the randomness of how we even connected. And then right, the Midwestern you, bond. Yes. Thank right. you, Tracy. Right. The Midwestern bond brings us together. That's, that's for real. <laughs> and a mutual hatred for candy corn, though I don't think I miss. <laughs> As passionate about it as you are, I do. I I co-sign one hundred percent. See, <laughs> we we are heart we are heart connected. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to attend one of Matthew's classes and connect with him further, then head to the links in the show notes for his website and Instagram. A handful of his classes each week are hybrid, so even if you don't live in the DC area, you can still tune in from wherever you are in the world and be guided in rest. As always, you can also find any people or resources mentioned during today's episode, including the two teachers who I just finished training with, Tracy and Shanti, in the show notes as well. There's a lot in the show notes, so make sure you give them a gander if you're looking for anything. Also, Matthew and I spoke about a few fundamental concepts within the practice of yoga today, like the koshas, and though we didn't fully unpack the definitions here, I want to encourage you to dive deeper into any words or ideas that need more clarity for you. And remember that you can always send me a message, an email, a voice note with any questions, curiosities, or stories that come up for you after episodes. At some point this season, I'll be doing a Q&A episode, and so any questions that you send in are going to help shape it. And if there's anything you'd like to hear me dive into further on the podcast, please send that my way as well. Even if it doesn't make it into this season, perhaps it will help inspire future seasons. The Protect Your Peace podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by yours truly, Najee Robbins, and the theme music is by Somatics. If you're looking to further support my work, here are four simple ways to do so. Number one, sign up for my newsletter if you haven't already. This is where you can access on-demand rest practices, including restorative yoga classes, get a heads up about my monthly teaching schedule, my availability for private sessions, 
and more. Number two, subscribe to the podcast if you'd like to stay in the loop about future episodes. You can also leave a rating and review as well. This really does help. And number three, if you have the monetary resources to support financially, you can head to protectyourpeace.yoga backslash support to leave me a tip. It's there that you're going to find my cash app, my Venmo, PayPal, all that good stuff. Last, but certainly not least, if there was something about today's episode that you connected with, share it with a friend via link or conversation. This is probably one of the best ways to support this podcast and my work in general is to share it with the people in your life who you think would connect and benefit from it. Between now and when you're here next, know that I am sending you so much support and encouragement to hydrate to nourish yourself in the ways that your body is requesting, and to devote time to rest in the ways in which you need it during this season of your life. Thank you again for being here, and we will connect soon.